Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Story, the value of architecture in Hawaii. My name is Angeline Joven Maunga, a designer at G70, and I am your host for today's podcast. This is our first session in a new podcast series geared towards engaging young architects and emerging professionals in chronicling the history and life lessons of some of Hawaii's most established architects. Let's Talk Story is written and produced by AIA Honolulu and is made possible by a grant from the AIA College of Fellows. The idea was conceived by the Emerging Professionals Committee as a way to connect various generations and perspectives and share ideas of architecture in Hawaii. Today's podcast studio and equipment is provided to us by WCIT Architecture, Detail, and Aina Archaeology. We would like to send a big mahalo to these three organizations. Today, we are interviewing John Hara, FAIA and 2015 recipient of the AIA Northwest and Pacific Region Medal of Honor for a Lifetime Achievement. John also received the AIA Hawaii Medal of Honor in 2017 from the Hawaii Architectural Foundation. John was born and raised in Honolulu, an immigrant housing just across Nuuanu, where the Poly Safeway is now. He received his Bachelor of Architecture from the University of Pennsylvania in 1962. After spending a few summers abroad in Europe, he returned home to Hawaii in 1964. At the start of his career, John has worked for architects John Tatum, Tom Creighton, former editor of Progressive Architecture, Charles Tai Sutton, FAIA, and Oceanic Properties. He opened the doors to his own architectural practice, John Hara and Associates, in 1970. John also taught as a professor at the University of Hawaii at Manoa School of Architecture between the years 1970 and 72, and again in 1984 to 1992. John continues his practice in present day. And without further ado, I would like to introduce Mr. John Hara, FAIA. John, I first want to start out by talking about your early childhood encounters with architecture. Can you tell us about the first time you perceived architecture or took an interest in it? How I perceived architecture, well, initially my father was an architect, mm. and because of that, you sort of generally, you think you know what architecture is. Mm-hmm. But in terms of taking an interest in it, uh, it happened when I went to college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we talked about a little bit about it before that you actually attended University of Pennsylvania. Yes, and it yes. wasn't for architecture. Y- yes, the reason I went to the University of Pennsylvania because primarily of my interest in music. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the Academy of the West in Santa Barbara, California in my junior year. Um, well, to, no, wait a minute, to go back further, my first job in high school was playing with the Honolulu Symphony. Right. And I would, began developing my interest in music at that time. Then mm-hmm. my junior year in high school, I went to the Music Academy of the West in, in Santa Barbara, California, and mm-hmm. played music. Yeah. At the at the academy, um, I, I was interested in going to the East Coast, primarily the University of Pennsylvania, because most of the major music 
orchestras were on the East Coast, mm -hmm. in Philadelphia, New York, and Boston. Right. And um, mm -hmm. that, was, that was the start of, of music, so to speak. Yeah. And your instrument was the oboe. Yes. And yes. I know you had a lot of joy kind of talking about your experience with music. Tell us a little bit about what happened afterwards when your focus shifted from music pursuits to architecture. Well, um, it was interesting. Um, when I first went to the University of Pennsylvania, I auditioned for the University of Pennsylvania Orchestra and it was selected first double and went to the first rehearsal. Mm -hmm. and, uh, first flutist was someone in, named Sue. So in terms of instruction, I said, hi, I'm John. She said, <laughs> hi, I'm Sue. Turned out to be Sue Ann Kahn, Luke Kahn's daughter. Right. Um, at that time, Mr. Kahn had, was in the middle of his career. Uh, and, you know, I was 17 years old at that mm -hmm. time. So obviously I had, um, I did not know who Mr. Kahn was. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that was the beginning of, of um, interesting times. Um, I remember playing chamber music in Sukhan's house mm -hmm. and going there and seeing these etchings on the wall and asking, who did those drawings? They're beautiful. She said, oh, my father. Oh, okay, now where were we? <laughs> and we continued playing. Just in uh, passing. <clears throat> but um, at the University of Pennsylvania, I was doing both. Uh, mm -hmm. I was playing music and uh, it was in the architecture program. Mm -hmm. uh, as an architect, I had these incredible instructors. Yeah. One was Mrs. Sasanovitsky. She was originally from the Bauhaus. Uh, her husband was Matthew Davitsky, who was the original architect selected to design Chandigarh oh, wow. in India. <clears throat> um, he died tragically in an airplane crash, but um, Sasha Davitsky was an in incredible friend of mine because I was from Hawaii. She, she yeah. took extra care for, for what I did. Yeah. Um, it was interesting because uh, in terms of the culture of the East Coast at that time. I remember our first project was designing a row house. Mm -hmm. Well, coming from Hawaii, I had no idea what a row house was. <laughs> but, um, you know, I eventually became to know m more than what a row house. Oh, that's so fun. And I, I liked hearing that story because it happened so candidly. And yes. you describe it as though this awesome thing just happened and you mm -hmm. walk away from it and continue with yes. music. <laughs> yes, yes. So that was at um, University of Pennsylvania. And after you continued your studies, you talked a lot about traveling through Europe and also working um, here and there for various professionals. Can you talk to me a little bit about the importance of traveling to see architecture and maybe just to see how different lives and cultures operate. Yeah. Well, as part of the program in the School of Architecture at Penn, mm. we had an incredible staff of faculty members. At that time, it was called the Philadelphia School. Mm -hmm. And the emphasis was on, um, well, history and uh, really architectural design. Mm -hmm. And the um, instructors there um, became very 
much part of the the educational environment. Um, specifically, uh, Robert Venturi was one of the architectural critics there, and right. he um, uh, his focus at that time was on history and. Uh, things related to history. Mm -hmm. And also at that time, he had not built very much at all. Mm -hmm. He was just starting his own professional career. But his perspective of history was incredible. Right. Uh, the other people were, for example, Grant, Ma Grant Mason, who wrote about the history of architecture and also lectured. Mm -hmm. um, as part of the architectural curriculum, the, the history of architecture. Mm -hmm. uh, so the educational experience was something. Um, in addition to, you know, uh, Mr. Kahn, there was people who worked for Mr. Kahn on staff, Mr. Jurgala, who was at that time also teaching at Penn. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was very inspirational. Yeah. Lots of great people at that mm -hmm. university. Uh, speaking of my time in Europe, uh, I graduated from Penn and decided well, to go back to Hawaii. was, mm -hmm. uh, at that time, 18 hours by plane. To go to Europe was six, so it would be much easier to go spend some time in Europe. Mm -hmm. and, um, well, one of my professors was from the south of France. Mm -hmm. His name was Leon Loster. I asked him if I could get a job, and he said yes. So I spent the summer working for him um, in southern France. And Beautiful place. He was the start of my stay in Europe. Um, he, because this is south of France, you know, every weekend I'd travel someplace and, and his, to, to see history, which is always um, always part of that part of the country. <clears throat> Did you seek music or other things? You know, at that time, I still was playing music and, yeah. uh, um, and also, also practicing architecture. Yeah. Um, at the end of the summer, uh, Mr. Lostler had to return to Penn to teach, so he suggested I he made a recommendation for me to go to Europe, mm -hmm. or to Zurich, Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And he you know, re recommended me to this particular office. And so after traveling for a month in the, in the summer, I ended up in Zurich, mm -hmm. in a more or less international office there. Wow. Um, <clears throat> yeah. It was a rather large office. Uh, it's called Steiger and Steiger, uh, um, and it was also an international office. I remember coffee hours; people used to speak Swiss, mm -hmm. Swiss German, French, Italian, yeah. and also English. And the whole pot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And uh, so that was another kind of experience. And being in Zurich allowed me to travel again every weekend. Mm -hmm. to some place to, to see, see the yeah. history of architecture. Yeah, um, that's amazing. I mean, I, it's it's so different to 
practice outside of the United States. Yes. And that was at the start of your profession yes, too. Yes, yes. Yeah. And again, um, the experience working in Zurich, um, I met people who had just immigrated from Budapest at that time, which is having a real problem. Mm. And a dear friend of mine was from Japan, or he was working there at that time. So he, he didn't speak much English. I didn't speak much Japanese. So we <laughs> spoke to each other in bad German. <laughs> very, very interesting. Happy middle. Uh, and <laughs> since that time, on our many trips to Japan, we have always met. Uh, most recently was three months ago, mm -hmm. Christmas in Japan. Oh, that's uh, sweet. Yes. Uh, um, but again, continuing on, uh, after finishing Zurich, uh, I decided to work in in another uh, part of Europe and found a job in, in Paris. It was at, uh, at a firm in Paris? Yes, and this is an international firm, uh, Condalish Woods and Josek. Uh, very interesting. Again, another international kind of firm. Mm -hmm. People didn't speak French very often, but um, again, people talked a lot about architecture and were there for well, all kinds of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, that was a that was an experience. Uh, and it was also two blocks away from where my apartment was. So you could just <coughs> walk down the street. Yes. Enjoy yes. the yes, yes city a little bit before work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some good memories, and I, I'm sure the things that you've learned working at those firms you kind of carry with you coming back to Hawaii yes after yes. all of that travel yes. so I think it was in 1964 yes that you actually came back to Hawaii and yep. you mentioned that working for architect John Tatum for several years yes yes yeah how was it like you know your couple first couple years back you've had all of this experience and inspiration from Europe and now you're back uh, home and practicing architecture? Well, uh, I was really glad to come back home because mm. I was a little bit tired of living out of the suitcase. <laughs> a little tiring. In fact, I had a job in Philadelphia on the way back. Mm. However, when I got back here, I decided to stay. Mm -hmm. um, working in Tatum's office at that time were some dear friends of mine. Um, um, one, of course, you, you know, or you know of him, Gus Ishihara, Finder Group 70. Yes. And we were very close friends. We lived in Quinema Apartments. Mm. And uh, we used to drive to work every day, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But um, that, was, that was kind of a sort of experience. We, we talked a lot about architecture because in those days, you know, people did talk mm -hmm. with each other. When you were at the university, what did you like best? Well, when I was at the university, we had people like uh, Joyce Noy, uh, who, similar to what you said, talked a lot about architecture history mm -hmm. and also driving design from culture. And I felt that that was unique to the experiences that um, some of my friends that studied architecture out of state, um, it was different from their experience in architecture school out of Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So to attend uh, University of Hawaii at Manoa with the intention to kind of practice in Hawaii. I thought that it was fundamental 
to learn from her experiences and really make it intentional to be informed mm -hmm. about kind of the past history of the place and also the people in the cultures that live here. So mm -hmm. I thought that was a really uh, interesting thing that was different about the mm -hmm. university. Yeah. Are you aware of, well, has the school changed since you left it? Oh, maybe it has. I, I know that we've had um, different people that are interested in architecture in Hawaii. And so that drives a lot of uh, different professors from out of state to kind of have interest. But I think the one thing that's consistent throughout the years is the respect towards the culture. I am thankful that a lot of the professors share that sentiment of uh, wanting to make sure we design mm -hmm. right or we're right with culture and we're right with place. And I, I hope that that kind of continues on in the practice going forward. In 1970, John Hara Associates was established. And that was kind of a culmination of all of your experiences and now making this decision to have your own firm. Mm -hmm. Can you explain the choice to open up your own practice instead of maybe looking for somebody else that you wanted to work for or a different firm that you wanted to work for? Well, you know, you got when you first start your practice, it's essentially very small projects. So I had one or two houses, and I figured, well, you know, I'm having, I'm doing this by myself. Why don't I do it for uh, open up an office? Mm -hmm. And one of my relatives w w was involved in s certain kinds of development, and he gave me a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So th that's how I started my own practice. So. Um, um, I imagine it was it was very hands on for these yeah, residential projects, right? And it was at a time where um, you know there were different kinds of projects I was working on. I mean, some were very very large, some were very very small, mm. and um, you know the combination thereof well, mm. was interesting. And. and Together with some people I worked with for, with John Tatum mm -hmm. to join, to work with me, mm -hmm. which is very good. To collaborate. Yeah. One of my experiences in Zurich, Switzerland, and also at Penn, I you know, was fascinated um, with the work of Alva Otto, the architect in Finland. Mm. And I continued to, to be interested in him. And when I was working in Zurich, uh, I had a conversation with him because he was in Zurich um, uh, for other kinds of business. And uh, I talked with him and he, he said I wanted to work in his studio. He, he says, uh, well, I don't know, but, but why do you want to be in Finland? You come from Hawaii, which is very <laughs> interesting. Uh, you know, Whole different environment. Yeah, you know, but that was my, sort of my, my beginning with was going to see most of his projects. Right. And I sp spent some time in the early 60s. Um, well, that was my first trip to Finland. And it was an incredible kind of experience to see all the stuff we saw slides of, but to see, see the real thing. Right. And um, of course, the subsequent trips, we were also 
it's fascinating. And oh. it's different being in the actual place as yeah, opposed to yeah. reading about it or seeing it mm -hmm. and really living that lifestyle mm -hmm. elsewhere too. Yeah, that was part of the you know European experience, and mm. I remember further on down the line, I kept importing fixtures, but uh, they weren't able to, 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 well, importing fixtures from Europe, mm -hmm. uh, which didn't quite align with the electrical systems in the United States. Oh. <laughs> so I had them shipped to the company Peerless Lighting, and I don't know if they're still around, mm. and they changed the, the, the lighting fixtures to be adapted. Make it compatible. Yeah, right. So from doing these residential projects, I, I imagine you start to kind of have a sense of what you really like in architecture and the kinds of things that you want to implement in your designs. Yeah, well, well the thing I learned and throughout all of this traveling and even going back to my days at Penn was uh, how design can be so specific. And of course, being from this place, mm -hmm which is incredible uh, the, the the place is incredible the quality of light is incredible etc cetera, etc cetera. So, so you know it's a very special place right. and that helped me to develop certain things in doing design this is mm. a very, very very special place it was it still is it's changing but it has to do that mm -hmm. has to adapt but you're talking a little bit about the specialness of hawaii and like you mentioned the the quality of light and air is, is different here. In 2004, your practice has grown a lot. And now we're going to dive into Case Middle School, which is actually one of your really well-known projects, and for good reason. You have talked to us a little bit about how good design relates to being very site-conscious and being very aware of the environment. In terms of sustainable design, can you talk a little bit about your design approach to case? And no. mm -hmm. like you had mentioned, actually, sustainability wasn't the word per se no. at the time. One of the professors at the University of Pennsylvania was Ian McCark, mm -hmm. and he gave weekly lectures to, to, to everyone. And that time it was called ecology. Ecology. And we learned a lot because he also influenced his other members of faculty there. Mm -hmm. So it became really part of the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, again, fast forward, uh, we did the Punahou PE complex in the mid-70s. And you know, again, Hawaii being a special place, the, the light is different, uh, the climate is different. And the environment is different, and mm -hmm. so we tried to reflect that. I think, um, yeah, that was the first major project at Punahou, I guess. And then continuing on, um, in Case Middle School, the technology has has had improved since then, and uh, you know, but 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 again, our approach was to incorporate all of all of that into the design. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the the driving yeah. mm -hmm. concept, if you will, mm -hmm. for Case Middle School. And it was pretty fun since we had just come from Case Middle School and you actually gave us 
the whole tour mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. Case Middle School, as well as the Punahou site in general. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the important things you mentioned was being able to relate the design to what is surrounding it and what is outside mm -hmm. of it and what are the experiences of those that are coming in and those that are in the space looking out. Can you tell us a little bit about design decisions you made to keep those connections out into the rest of the site? Yeah, well, well, it's important in, in any project to, to try to understand the, the history of the site, whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. And having been part of Ponahoe for many years, growing up there since kindergarten, um, there are parts of it which should relate to whatever we did. Mm -hmm. and, and in all of the work we did at Porto, it was very much part of our concept. You know? Right. Oh, um, because what we do it belongs to the history of the school. It'll stay with it yep. after its completion. Right. Um, you had mentioned on site about being intentional about um, trade winds and making sure that you know the breeze was captured in the design that the orientation of the buildings weren't going against it mm. but were helping well all of that is part of the ecology mm -hmm. you know the trade winds come from a certain direction the sun rises in the east sets in the west etc etc mm -hmm. and obviously these are very important things to consider no, well, I think you saw at the PE facility is mm -hmm. uh, clear story lighting, again facing yes. north, so there's no need for artificial lighting during the day, mm -hmm. and on and on and on. But uh, that's what we have well, tried to do in all of these projects. Mm -hmm. and, um, um, it's called sustainability now, and you know, technology allows you to do many, many more things, mm -hmm. which, you know, as it should be. I think what's really interesting about it is that for you and the professionals at the time really had consciousness of approaching design in that way and that was really before all of these uh, lead metrics were yes. in place but really that wasn't necessarily what you guys were designing for it wasn't that you were making these decisions to obtain a certain certification or a certain plaque oh. per se. It was kind of the approach that you guys just had to the design. Well, the d design came first, Jill, and then uh, the criteria for LEED certification came a little bit afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like the, the orientation of the buildings was set up before LEED mm -hmm. uh, in terms of sun rises in the east, sets in the west, etc., etc. And um, yeah, these were the most important things. And then, of course, LEED was, they just began the criteria for LEED design. Mm -hmm. and, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, we had grates in front of the entry doors for students to wipe the snow off the feet. <laughs> well, that was part of it. Non-existent Hawaiian yeah. snow. <laughs> as part of the design case, there's, there's some some things we did not do, which we could have done, like, you know, change the temperature of the lights, et cetera, et cetera. But I was concerned with the entire Punahou facade along Wilder Avenue. And, 
for example, all of the, again, pulse and light fixtures begin from the science building all the way along to pass case. And that was to kind of tie in the yes, whole facade, yes, yes. the existing with yes, the new. Yes. Yeah. Well, right. So not everything was done for LEED certification, which I'm not sure that happens much today. Mm -hmm. People are too interested in getting net zero, et cetera, et cetera. But the architectural design is as important, I think. Mm -hmm. Compared to just uh, striving for a certain right, right, point system right. and metric. I share the same sentiment about metrics and certifications. I think they provide a good guideline to kind of evaluate a project or evaluate a design, but striving for points isn't the goal of architecture. <laughs> you know, we're designing for people and we're designing for these places. There's a big difference between projects that are accomplished design-wise and also have passed those metrics mm -hmm. compared to projects that are only aspiring to achieve certain points. There's mm -hmm. a difference in the quality of design and the intentionality of it. And I think it's a it's a good challenge for designers to still be conscious about design and put design at the forefront. We're on the topic of Case Middle School and earlier at Punahou, you actually showed us uh, the other buildings that you worked on as well. Can you talk to me a little bit about the unique learning environments here in Hawaii? And, you know, how are they different from some of the schools that you've seen uh, in the mainland and maybe internationally too? Well, nationally and internationally, I don't quite understand the process that they went through, but, but um, what we did specifically at Punahou and other institu educational institutions is obviously um, involve many people. Mm -hmm. and specifically at Case, um, we went to school for, um, for about a year and a half every Tuesday afternoon at three o'clock where this committee of faculty, administration, and, and uh, physical plant people met and we discussed and defined what a the program for what a Punahou Middle School should be. Mm. And th th that's, that, that's what eventually evolved. Right. Discussion with all of these different parties. Well, in the past, we, we did the same thing. Again, part of Punahou, um, the Mumia Science Center. We began again working with faculty and administration. And this is all very important part of doing the design mm. because um, our approach to design is that initial concepts evolve mm -hmm. depending upon many different factors. Right. And that's precisely what happened with all of the projects at Punahou. Mm -hmm. well, most of the projects we've worked on actually. Yeah. How do you balance out all of the requests? Because I know there's a lot of different people, a lot of different needs and components. How do you as an architect Kind of well, you, you listen to them and you convince them otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of the process. So. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, many of the faculty members are retired now, but I still see them around town and they still remember what it was like to work on case. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's, I think, you know, and I think that's, that's what it is. Vital. Yeah? Mm-hmm. That's very important because those are the people that are sure. going to be yeah. using it anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it has to kind of come from them so that the architecture is serving the people that mm-hmm. are using it. I think what's happening now is that people want to Google everything. And, <laughs> you know, they, they say, well, why can't we do this? And, mm-hmm. and so, so you have 10 people saying, Ten different things. Well, why can't we do this? Mm-hmm. And uh, th- that's what makes it, I think, very difficult today. Mm-hmm. You know, but again, that's the nature of technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, it's nice, I guess, as an architect, you're able to help them make an informed decision about the space. Yeah, I think that that's important. What you said, an informed decision, mm-hmm. because some of the comments you hear are not informed. <laughs> It's hard to vet them out, huh? Yep. <laughs> but at least from my perspective, looking at some of the plans, um, I kind of see this village concept almost where, and maybe it's the nature of how Case Middle School is supposed to serve different well, grade levels. Well, that was a concept that was arrived at by this steering committee, so to speak. Mm. Oh, but it's, it's, well, to create a village, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. It has, it's a different kind of community. Um, other middle schools, you don't think is that separated. Mm-hmm. I may be mistaken, but um, that's what we arrived at as a committee, I think. And uh, um, no, amazing thing, it works today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it still works. Yeah. It continues to work, I think. Right. It's, it's all separate yet interconnected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on site today, we were talking about how life also happens in those um, middle spaces, yes. that life and activity happens in that circulation space. That's kind of the gap in the middle of these Yeah, the, the important thing about, well, when you do a building, it's not only the building that is important, but the space between buildings is mm-hmm. important. And most of the projects we worked on, uh, that that really counts for a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you saw that case, so courtyards in between, again, very important. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, different kind of courtyards in the science building, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, and different kind of spaces in the PE facility. So, you, you know, um, this kind of gray space is very important. Mm-hmm. So. And it's nice that some of the function has stayed and some spaces have been kind of transformed Mm -hmm. um, through the generations, yet it's still serving a similar purpose. Well, that's always always something difficult to do, but we began with, I think it put over with the science building of just these spaces which which had no name and then uh, continued on with case, you know, and they, they become another kind of learning center, mm-hmm. which is, you know, part of the educational system, I think. Mm-hmm. So you talked earlier about having those discussion meetings with the faculty at Case uh, Middle School and really forming the design. And that seems to be uh, a positive memory that you have from the design process working at Case. 
are there other lasting memories that you have from that experience that uh, you want to share anything that you guys may have done during construction or memories of you know when the project was in progress well i think a lasting memory is the entire process we went through mm-hmm. you know and you know um the, 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 the defining the, the, the program and working with the contractor defining the construction mm-hmm. and finally you know at the end it's the case middle school mm-hmm. to this day the people who were teaching there come up to me and say hey that's the most memorable thing they've had teaching at case which you know you can't beat that right yeah mm-hmm. that's amazing and I, I think that's that's one of the reasons why a lot of people go into architecture it's because you leave behind this tangible thing that mm-hmm. people can enjoy and mm-hmm. generations can appreciate down mm-hmm. the line. And it really is a lasting positive impact. Mm-hmm. And John, on site today, you showed me a little area where you signed your name <laughs> at Case Middle School. <laughs> Do you want to talk a bit about that? Well, Steve Piper and I worked very closely on the entire project from day one and all, you know, Towards the end, they're pouring the concrete curb. Mm-hmm. So we said, hey, I got this great idea. We're going to sign our names, okay? <laughs> so that's what we did. We signed our names. Left your mark. Right. Right there, <laughs> right. directly. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> that was a great treat. It was very unexpected, too. And it's not very loud. So it's kind of like a little treasure that you find as you're walking along. Well, I have a picture of me and Steve. Actually, last year, standing next to it. That's awesome. <laughs> standing on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's re- refreshing to see after, you know, these many years that it, it still functions, I think, very well. Or at least to my knowledge. And, uh, um, you know, I, mean, I think that's about as good as you can expect, you know? You know and so. it's well-maintained. Yeah, it's well-maintained, mm-hmm. you know, and people care about it. That's very important. Yeah. yeah, this new g- second, third generation of teachers—they love it. Mm-hmm. So, and th- they weren't part of the original ones, but they still love it, which is, I think, very important. And I think part of that adoration and love for a space is because they realize the intentionality behind the design. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how you mentioned that the community faculty were involved in the decision making I think it's a huge deal because in in that sense they're also leaving their mark on the space and they're taking ownership of it Mm -hmm. that's true that's really awesome to be Mm -hmm. able to have that yeah it was it was great being at Case Middle School today Mm -hmm. what do you see in happening in architect architectural design though relative to to getting other people involved when I was a student at the University of Hawaii at Manoa one of our design projects was actually community-focused design. I would say maybe about half of that studio was focused on uh, research. And by research, I mean going up to the occupants of that space, um, asking them what are the needs of the space, what doesn't work, and what does work, you know, what needs to be mm-hmm. changed. and 
as a student, it was a good exercise for me to be conscious that, again, we're not just designing these sculptures per se, we're designing buildings that people will use and occupy. It was really valuable that our studio went through that process of interviewing um, mm-hmm. the building users, interviewing uh, the surrounding building occupants, and also taking time to be in the space and experience it for ourselves. I thought that was something that, as a professional, I want to carry on into into my practice. From my professional experiences, there is still that desire to seek what the occupants are wanting and what the the users are wanting for a space. Maybe it's more pertinent for different typologies. So mm-hmm. I think for a school, for sure, there's a more conscious effort to seek out the users of the space mm-hmm. in terms of the design. Some of the work that I'm seeing happening in Hawaii, thankfully, that's still something that's being practiced. Mm-hmm. We, we've done that in different forests for m- mostly all of the projects. Mm-hmm. I think that's only one part of, of the design process. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Another important part, I think, is the history of, on a big scale, of where we are mm-hmm. and what has been done, mm-hmm. good or bad. Okay, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah. Again, in my experience, you know, from Penn, you know, learning about history from Venturi and Jurgula and et cetera, et cetera, uh, history is very important. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think an emphasis, a greater emphasis, should be applied to that. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they have any history instructors anymore at the university, but mm-hmm. they definitely should. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think they have it available, but maybe not as easily accessible. And the other downside, I guess, in our other conversations that uh, the two of us have had, is there's a pressure for time and yeah. deadlines. And sometimes that kind of gets in the way of spending a little bit more time on the design and history and research. Yeah, well, it's just when we're talking about history, in my first year at Penn, the history of architecture class, we drew by hand mm-hmm. plans of the Gothic cathedrals. Wow. And I still have those drawings. And, you know, uh, that was part of the curriculum and part of the mindset at that time of trying to understand full on the history of architecture. You should frame those drawings, John. Yeah, I should. <laughs> that would be really nice. What year were you as a student? Uh, at Freshman year. Freshman year. In those days, first of all, I didn't like. I didn't know what a row house was. I didn't know what a Gothic cathedral was either. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> coming from music background too. Well, not only that. Yeah. I <laughs> I'm glad that you had a good experience revisiting Case Middle School today. I had a great time as well. Now looking back um, at it after all these years and throughout the course of your practice, you've seen architecture evolve over the last 60 years. How do you feel about the future evolution of Case Middle School and maybe uh, Punahou uh, as a whole? 
Well, I, I think what's happening is Case Middle School from, from the very, very beginning and how it's evolved is, quote, right, end quote, you know, way to do that. I mean, it accomplishes what, what the, the, the the intent always was, mm. you know, it's, it's an environment for education, mm -hmm. and that's very important. And uh, no matter what other people do around, but it's, it still is that, mm -hmm. you know, people learn. Do you think there is a wrong way for architecture to evolve? Oh, sure. You know, when people turn something into what it's not supposed to be, <laughs> it happens all the time. When they miss the yeah, intent. And, and, and it never serves. It doesn't function as well. Right. And never will. The blueprint has changed. That's correct. So, John, you mention a lot about architectural history as being very important and something you feel needs to be a part of conversations more. Tell me about your thoughts on why you feel architecture needs to have more conversations between professionals, between clients, between the community. Well, I think it's very important. When I first started my office, so, you know, as part of Group somebody, we used to have these, these solve the world problems. We used to stay overnight at a, go to a beach house or something and just talk about it. And that's what we did, you know. And you showed well, me those photographs of you yeah, guys. Yeah, it, it was incredible. Now people, at least I noticed this at the university, they, they don't talk to each other. They send them emails even though they're sitting 10 feet away. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, again, the, 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 the idea of live conversation is very important. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think it's also important, well, even in the AIA, it's more fun to meet together. <laughs> mm -hmm. Together in person. Right. And sharing that camaraderie. That's right. Is that's right. Um, but, yeah. You know, again, technology. And, you, you know, the, 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 um, the COVID thing obviously had an effect, but mm -hmm. we need to get back to what it was. Right. Mm. How would you encourage? I guess emerging professionals like myself to seek out um, more experienced architects like yourself and start kind of these conversations similar to what we're having now. Well, um, the, I, I think one of the major differences now is when I was just out of school, we had heroes. Heroes. You know, Alvaro. Le Corbusier, Ariad Woodson, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you, you know, we followed did it, everything, but we, um, well, we learned all about them. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's somewhat missing today because, you know, there are many, many more architects, but that's not to say that you can't learn. And the important thing is, I think, dialogue, mm -hmm. you know. You can't just send emails or Google something. It's dialogue that's very important. And walking through, yeah, right. even passing on lessons yeah, learned yeah, from yeah, projects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's very vital. John, what do you think the future of architectural design in Hawaii should be focused on, or maybe where do you think it's headed? Next? I think architectural design 
in Hawaii should, I think, be designed by people living in Hawaii. Mm. Uh, I, I think most, a lot of the work being done now is done by quote architects coming from the mainland and the local offices. You know, they make a lot of money, but but they like to do the working drawings. And mm -hmm. you know, I think that it should be the other way around. Mm -hmm. um, in my experience, you know, some of my contemporaries, we were doing the design here. Mm -hmm. and they made a difference, mm -hmm. you know, because we live here, we understand what the hell's going on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, coming from the mainland, people don't really know. And as I mentioned earlier, I think in another conversation, one of the historians at, at Penn said, um, you know, there, there was a time when Philadelphia looked like Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. New York looked like New York, Boston looked like Boston. That's mm -hmm. not happening anymore. You know, mm -hmm. this whole world is beginning to look alike. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that we can't modify that somewhat because we live in a special place with a special mm -hmm. climate and special environment. And I think that's important. Yeah. And I think people recognize that. I know for myself and my peers, sure. there is still a desire to come home. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. Mm -hmm. And again, you come home. Right? Mm -hmm. That's important. And it, it's always it's always different, you know, to be able to do good work in the place that you live in, in your home. Sure. And mm -hmm. to you know, have a say in what yeah. happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm to to the place and yeah i think i think it's very important and i i would hope that many of the aspiring architects will also stay in hawaii you know those that have grown up here and have studied here that they would sure. have the opportunity to stay in hawaii and design well, i also think it's vitally important that the people who are born and raised here educated here go away travel see the mm -hmm. world mm -hmm. that's as important but the fact is that y you live here you know what a life is here like therefore you should go to other places to see what how other people live that that's great advice to to give what other advice would you give to architects of the future as technology kind of continues to evolve and merge with the profession what would you advise them to to do or how how should they approach this kind of merging of technology with architecture? You have to begin to think of what architecture means to you, mm. okay? And when, once you do that, then you, that in itself sets a direction. Right. You know, like if, if you like technology, fine. And if you like construction manager, then that's fine. I mean, there was never a course before in the university curriculum of construction management. Architectural pr profession is such that there's so many different categories, you know. But, uh, you know, and it has to happen that way because there's so many people and technology has changed. Mm -hmm. uh, but you just have to pick up what you think is most important. Mm -hmm. Do the best you can. You know, your core beliefs and your core intentions yeah. have that drive, mm -hmm. your your vision for architecture. Mm -hmm. And I think it, that's why it's important to have these kinds of conversations is because it matters what the previous sentiments were from past architects, mm -hmm. I think. And, you know, their approach to design and their view of architecture. Mm -hmm. And for a young 
aspiring professional, it's important to set those beliefs going forward and at least be conscious about why we do certain things and why we make certain decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I think, in, you know, as a, another core value, so to speak, would be to, to understand where we are, where we live, mm-hmm. what the culture is like. Mm-hmm. That's very important because no matter where you go, this place is home. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it's different. Mm-hmm. You know? And even if you come from elsewhere, emerging professionals should try to understand what the culture is like here. Mm-hmm. Because it's not where you come from. Mm-hmm. You know? It's different. It's not you know? the same. You know? And there's a specialness about Hawaii. You know? And a lot of people recognize that. You know? And uh, there are people who, who were never born and raised here, but they live here now. And their contributions are incredible. Mm-hmm. That's important. You know? And I think it's because they make the effort to that's value right. that, that's and right. experience they, they, it. They, yeah. They, they, that's right. Because, um, you know, you don't have to be born here to do good architecture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you need to have that heart yeah. to want to do it. Yeah, sure. To be right with people and mm-hmm. to be right with Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What principles do you believe emerging professionals should embody as they design Hawaii? Well, again, we touched on it. And, um, one is understanding where we live, the, the, the history of where we live. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, this, not because you're going to recreate the history, but just know about it. Mm-hmm. You know? And, um, you know, again, know why this place is so special. Mm-hmm. You know, it rarely snows here, and that's incredible. Right? <laughs> It rains, but doesn't rain like it does in Florida, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, on and on. So that's why when you go away, it's great to come back here. Mm-hmm. And it's great to go away, too, to, to see how the other places, see how the other, see the, how the rest of the world lives. You see different things, you eat different things, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important, mm-hmm. you know, especially for the younger people, because, you know, when you get to be old, you, you do things in a different way. Mm-hmm. You have to do things in a different way. Mm-hmm. But when you're young, when you're an emerging professional, quote, end point, you, you, you have all of these these different kinds of options to pursue. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, uh, that's the great thing about being young, you know. Take advantage of it. Yeah, and go um, for it. Yeah, sure. You, you have to do that mm-hmm. because the world's not going to go back mm-hmm. to what it was. Thank you so much, John, for joining us today. On behalf of AIA Honolulu and the Emerging Professionals Committee, we would like to just extend a big thank you for the opportunity to talk story with you today. We'll see you all in the next one. Ahui ho! That was the end for us. Yeah. How do you feel? I need my nap. <laughs> you did it.